I first met Eugene. Uh, was it 2008, do we say? No, 2008 this so what is it now? It's 2017, isn't it? Man, time flies. 2009. And I remember being um, a little bit disappointed, maybe, um, because I had heard that this, uh, our fiery redhead, Erin Blissett, um, had gone over to South Africa, South Africa, and um, had, had, she'd met this, you know, South African, this big South African man. And so in my head, I had this view of this big South African man. I'm thinking, yeah, this guy's... He's got to be black, right? So, um, and uh, you know, I know the makeup of South Africa. Obviously, it was just, just some weird kind of thing. And I've seen Invictus, uh, you know, and so I know a lot of white guys there. But he came back and he's this big white guy. I'm like, what? Oh, okay. Um, but there he is. So he's a, he's a big boy. One thing that I think really, I think about when I think of Eugene, and um, and that is uh, just that he's solid. And, I'm, and not in the physical sense only, okay, because that's quite obvious. Um, I mean, his hands just engulf you, you know, anyway. Um, he's, he's just a, he's a solid guy. You know, he has this solid faith, um, which is, is an encouragement to me. Um, and he, um, I'm sure he'll tell you that he is far from perfect. Um, and we're not here to say that any particular person is perfect or can do anything in their own strength without God. But, um, but Eugene has certainly been a blessing to me in the way that he's faithfully um, just lived out the life that God has um, given him. Um, we're going to be pretty, um, I think, blessed this morning to hear some of his story. Um, and uh, I imagine it's not easy to tell. Uh, but... I've heard parts of it before and I'm, and I'm grateful for what God has done through him. So I might just pray and, and we'll, we'll just kick off. Hey? So Father, we just thank you for our brother Eugene uh, and for his life of service to you, for his life of faithfulness. Mostly, Lord, we thank you for you, for sending your son and for um, doing everything necessary um, to bring us into relationship with you. And um, we praise you for that this morning. Pray that as we hear each other's stories, um, that, that you would be blessed um, and that it would be a blessing to the brothers and sisters in this family, this church, this little congregation of people that would be able to be um, taught, um, that would be able to learn something, maybe even that we could apply, um, that we'd be able to be encouraged by hearing the story of a, a brother. So bless us. Now we pray, by your spirit be with us, in Jesus' name, amen. Um, so we're starting, a, I guess, a little a series, not a series, we, we're starting, we're going to start doing, just intermittently, um, something like this, where we just have someone in the fellowship come and share um, their testimony. We, we thought it'd be um, probably um, more natural and um, kind of useful to do it interview style, where I, I kind of, I'm just going to mostly let Eugene talk, but I'm going to just interject with some questions here and there. So um, I've got a couple of curly ones. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> so we might just just start by, um, Eugene, if you could just introduce, I guess, where you've come from in terms of even from your family of origin all the way through to maybe, um, you know, even to um, the end of high school, maybe. I might interject with a question here and there, but if you just want to. Yeah. Thanks, Mick. Is this on? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it's interesting just um, when you were saying um, that you thought I was black. Uh, my father-in-law thought that as well. So, <laughs> yeah, so a lot of people thought that. It's, it's funny. It's, um, but yeah, it's, um, it's, it's definitely not the easiest thing to do. Is, um, I think this whole week I, sh- I was sharing with Aaron um, was very encouraging but also very challenging because I... I had times where I just sat down and I just started typing out and just reflecting back at my life. Mm-hmm. And there were some really, really dark times. And then that, that um, when I think back, it was, it was horrible just being in that place. So um, in that sense, it's really hard. But then what encouraged me to really come out and, and share is just um, the grace of God. You know, that, that by His grace that I'm actually here being able to share with you guys how he saved me and how he uh, gave me a second, third, fourth chance again. So um, a little bit of background of myself as I grew up um, in a 
say a normal family, just um, my mum and dad love the Lord. They um, serve the Lord. I've got a brother who's a year older than I am and a, a sister that's um, six years younger than I am. Um, but throughout our school years, especially the early years, my, um, my dad was a sales rep. And he, um, because of his job, we, he had to travel from town to town. And so we followed along. And so our school years basically consisted of being the new kid in, in the school every time because we wouldn't be in a school for more than eight months or nine months and then we'll move again and go to another school and so with that it sort of I, I guess it affected us somehow as as kids you know making friends we never had that long-term friendships that we could establish with um, the people around us and our peers and that um, a thing that sort of stands out for me is that I can remember is I always wanted to be, I was always longing for that acceptance, you know, uh, from my peers and that. Also um, from my parents. And um, one of the things that I loved to do in school was playing rugby, rugby union, real, real rugby. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but also thinking back of that, I, I never really, I struggled to really, get somewhere with that because we were moving around a lot as well so you, you I struggled to do the to putting some commitment around that but in grade seven I I made it to first team rugby and my parents moved over to Middleburg and I stayed behind in the hostel and um, that was so quite like a like a boarding school yeah or boarding school yeah, yeah. Okay. just to uh, finish off the rugby season and um, but Thinking back of that again, is my motivation for playing rugby was to impress my dad. It was really just all about, you know, and I wanted to impress him, and, and it did. He, um, he, he, he loved watching me play rugby and all that. Um, long story short, so, um, so we basically all my primary school, we moved around a lot. So in year eight, uh, we moved to Middleburg, and that's where we sort of settled. Mm. My dad started his own company mm. um, in hardware, selling hardware. And, um, and that's where I started making friends, sort of long-term friendships mm. developed from there. Um, yeah, so wh when my dad started his company, it, was prob oh, it wasn't long from that where um, there was a bit of an incident where his um, partner that went into business with him um, overnight just went into the bank account, emptied the bank accounts and just ran off with everything. So that mm. left my dad basically with nothing. We lost every, everything. Mm. Um, we lost the house, we lost the car. And um, my dad just sort of went from there, went into just normal sales, door to door knocking. And it's sort of just that drive to just provide for his family, sort mm. of um, literally he got, got consumed with his work and that so not realizing it that he sort of um, lost touch with us us as kids so um, now your dad was a believer wasn't he yes yeah, yeah. and your mum as well yes yeah. so did they, they love the Lord yeah how did that come into it at that kind of stage for you did they did they kind of were you going to church with them and yeah. doing all that stuff yeah, yeah. definitely I, um, I went to church with them and but personally you know I never you know, I, I went to church, but it was more like a, a tradition, uh, a religion type thing that where it's not, I never had that relationship with the Lord. Yeah. And I think um, that's where it was all just, you know, going to church because my parents go to church. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so. And obviously that was a pretty tough time for your mum and dad. Oh, and it yeah. sounds like that was a bit of a turning point for you. Yes. So oh, I mean, continue, but yeah, so you're basically saying your dad really got pretty hooked into work. Yeah. Hey? Yeah, and that had a had some pretty major consequences yeah. for you. Yeah, as so a like I said before, you know, the the main thing, if I look back at my life, a, a big thing for me was um, probably because I had the lack of peers in school, that um, acceptance, and that I, I was looking for it with my parents, and mm. obviously the situation that my mom and dad were in, they, um, my dad had to focus on providing. Mm. Um, it's also a little bit different in South Africa. I would, I would bring that in as well. It's it's a different um, welfare. There's no welfare in there. So the government doesn't look after um, mm. the people. So if you don't work, you literally will, will you're sleep. Hungry. Yeah, you're hungry. You sleep on the street. Yeah, well. So there's no benefits to that. So um, that's something that drove my, my um, dad as well. 
but yeah, as a kid, it definitely um, affected me because I didn't have that um, anymore. You know, that part where I could, I felt like I've, I've been accepted. Mm -hmm. So obviously, with that, I, I went out into the world. Now I've got the opportunity because we are sort of settled in Middleburg. We're not going anywhere. So my whole high school career was in Middleburg. So mm. I started making friends. Um, first of all, it was just the normal friends. You know, just hanging out, do the normal stuff like, you know, like teenagers do, play um, street hockey on rollerblades. We um, computer games, bike riding, and all that. Uh, but not long. It wasn't long when um, I started hanging out with the wrong friends and uh, we started uh, going to house parties and um, at these house parties um, I started well having a casual beer here mm -hmm. and there, um, smoking cigarettes and um, drinking spirits um, like vodka and stuff like that. And um, I sort of start feeling this this feeling of belonging and this feeling of acceptance mm. um, that I found with these peers of mine mm. um, and not before long we, we used to just sort of one night a weekend two nights a weekend we'll hang out and do these things and house parties and that but it sort of became uh, more excessive with time so we started drinking more we started smoking more we we started going to more house parties and so we sort of started making points of just hanging out even from three to four days to six, seven days. So every day after school, we'll meet under the train bridge, we'll have a drink, we'll have a smoke. And, um, but honestly, if I think back, I was having a time in my life, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, as hard as it is to say now, but um, thinking back of that time, I was having fun and I, I enjoyed what I was doing. And, and isn't, that's pretty much, the state. that's what sin is, it's, it's pleasurable. It's enjoyable, it's enjoyable. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I think, and I think at this point, a lot of people here, myself included, could probably relate to where you're at at, at this point in time, mm. where you, you, know, you grow up with a family that teaches you the right thing to do, mm. um, there's a wound or whatever there is, um, and you end up looking for that acceptance. Yeah. You know, and, and those smoking and drinking and, and drugs and that kind of stuff, that, that, was, that was me as well, you know, and you, you, you know the truth, but you walk away from it, don't you? Yeah. But I think it's a good, really good reminder. This is dying, is it? I think it's a really good reminder that um, that community is so important, oh, isn't it? You know, and it's a reminder for us as a church, hey? Yeah. Because if we don't provide community for for adults, kids, whatever, then another community becomes enticing. Mm. Um, but it it didn't. I mean, for a lot of us, we kind of get to that point. We're drinking and partying and, and whatever else, cruising around. But it, it got worse for you, didn't it? Yeah. Could you tell us a bit more about yeah. that? Um, yeah, so um, we were at this one house party. I think it was, um, oh, dates, uh, probably uh, year 10 or something. Uh, we went to this house party and um, at this one house party, we were introduced to uh, marijuana weed and um, I remember first time I taken it, it, I loved it. It was, um, it just made you feel relaxed. It made you feel um, just, um, there was no worries at all. So, um, so yeah, when I, when I started using that, I, I sort of, I wanted more. So I started, weird, I started experimenting a little bit more with different types of weed, different um, ways of using it, smoking it. Um, just weird. Like, um, I remember even trying through apples and things like that. But I, I got I got really really obsessed with it. Yeah, got really really obsessed with that. And um, so um, so yeah 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 here I am. You know, all I was all we as friends were focusing on on a daily basis was just you know where's the next house party going to be? And when we get there, we get just get wasted. You know, we just drink, we smoke, we we smoke weed and, and just really, really get wasted. And before I go on, at this stage, just to put it there, I could have, I felt like I could have stopped if I wanted to. So it was pretty much, if I wanted to say, no, uh, this is enough, I would. But I remember that I didn't want to, I didn't want to stop. I just want to keep going because I liked it. I was enjoying myself. Um, so then came year 11 and 12 and, Honestly, I don't know how I made it through there. Um, 
probably my parents just prayed me through, but I remember I just scraped the bottom of the barrel, just making it through with the final exams and that. Um, and then um, at my final, after my final um, exam in year 12, um, I remember going on holiday with um, my friend and his family. Now, my friends, they weren't saved. So they, um, his mom and dad really didn't care what we do away there. So um, when we were away, we went. Uh, so there was no time curfew as well coming in or anything like that. So we went out and um, we went to this club called uh, Platforms in, um, in uh, Margate. It's close to the beach. And, and, and what I remembered is we walked in and I, I love the club life. started late at night and it's just dancing and everything. And then I was introduced um, to ecstasy. Um, and this, the crazy thing is I bought my first ecstasy tablet from a 14-year-old girl in a nightclub. And um, she was the one who introduced me to the drug lords, the Nigerians and all that. And... Um, but the first time I took ecstasy, it was, I thought, this is it, this is the drug. It was just, um, um, the feeling you get, it was just like a rush of warmth through your body. It was um, exhilarating. Um, it, everything you touched just felt nice. Everything, it, it just, it was just, I thought to myself, I, I remember that I could do this. If, if I want to feel like this forever. The thing is with ecstasy, though, is, um, so you, you take it. Um, and you go on this high, but when you come down, you hit you hit the bottom. You hit, hit the down is really low. So, where you got all this feeling of um, ecstasy, of excitement and happiness and love and all that, when you stop using it, the next day you just empty. It, you just depressed. You just um, down, and you just uh, it's the worst low that you can can go. So you go from this extreme high to this extreme low. Um, and it just, it's like you hit a brick wall. And um, so with time, I struggled with that because now I wanted to balance it out. I wanted to, you know, I, didn't, I wanted to get that high, but I also didn't, I hated the, the low. I hate feeling that emptiness and that, that depression. So I was trying to experiment with different kinds of drugs, um, uh, sleeping tablets, even trying to just get myself relaxed, trying to smoke um, weed and drinking and all that. Um, it became a problem because I, I think I, I sort of have an addictive personality, behaviour, whatever you call it. But I, I get, got to the point where I would, I would use uh, 20 ecstasy pills a weekend. And then the down just got worse and worse and worse. Um, with that, so eventually um, I, I, I found something that worked. And, um, and this is probably... My biggest problem was um, I was introduced to heroin, and um, I remember it was one night. You know, we we had a big big night, big party night, and uh, popped heaps of pills and that. And then the next morning, um, my, my mate brought this packet of heroin out, and I remember the first time I just um, they put a line down there, and we I just snorted the line, and that was it. I've never ever felt like that in my life. It was just this overwhelming sensation of just peace, relaxed. Uh, you feel on top of the world. You, you've got this um, burst of pins and needles. Uh, it's hard to explain, just from your chest right through your body. It feels like it goes all through your, your veins. It's, it's, it's hard to explain, but it's something that I've never, ever experienced in my life. And I thought, this is it. I, even if I don't use any other drug, I will pursue this and I will do this. And I thought myself, I will do that for the rest of my life. Mm. That's, that's how powerful that first um, experience was for me. Um, eventually, it went downhill from there because um, the, the lie with, with heroin is, yes, it's, it's probably one of the best exhilarations experience that you get, but you have to start using more and more and more. And they, they call it chasing the dragon. And the reason why they do, what I believe is you chase the dragon, you chase that first experience, but you never, ever get it. So you chase around, chase this dragon, but you never, ever get that first high. And that's what you're after. Mm. Uh, to the point where I started using more and more heroin, um, but I didn't get high anymore. I didn't get that rush. I didn't get that. So I, I, I used excessively. Mm. 
eventually, when I didn't have heroin, I started going through withdrawal symptoms. Um, and that was probably the worst because you literally feel like you're dying. Which is as strong a motivator as, as looking for the rush in the first place, isn't it? You yes. Know, the, the withdrawal, or even stronger. Oh, definitely. Which is why it's one of the most addictive yes. so substances. That's exactly right yeah. because I, if, if, if I didn't have the heroin, I would, in the mornings I wake up, uh, my muscles feel like they're tightening together, you sweat excessively. It's like you have fever, you're hot and cold, you vomit, you... Um, you, got, you get stomach cramps, and you literally, literally feel like you're dying. Mm. So that becomes the main motivator then to use and mm. to get heroin. Um, I eventually started spiking as well, and which was just worse because I had to use more and more. Eventually, I, my, my veins collapsed, it hardened up, and I didn't have a place to, in my arms to spike mm. anymore. Um, but... Um, the motivator was really just to get normal, like mm. you and I am. So you use heaps of heroin just to be normal, and then when you're normal, you want to get that high again. Mm. So you just keep using and using. Um, eventually, um, I just couldn't handle it anymore. I couldn't handle it because what happened is I started, um, I lost my job, I lost my friends, um, respect of my family reason for that is obviously now I've got this habit to support. I don't have a work. I don't have means to, to pay for it. Mm. And um, so I started stealing yeah. uh, from my parents, stealing from my brother, um, sister. Um, I sold my clothes, my shoes. My car was literally just a shell because um, the spare tire, the radio, speakers, you name it, everything sold it uh-huh. just to support this habit. Yeah. I remember the one... Um, the one night, uh, or the one day, or what morning I woke up and I just, I couldn't handle it because I realized that I didn't have any money, I didn't have anything, and I have to, I have to keep, do something because otherwise I'm gonna go through these withdrawals. So what I've done is I, that morning my parents went to work, my brother, sister, everybody was gone, and I, I, I went into the house and I just started taking things out of the house, mm. TVs, my dad's golf clubs, mm. um, oh, anything I could fit, fit in the car. I went through to Hillbrow. At this point, your morality is just oh, non-existent. There's nothing. Yeah. There's nothing. It's all, it's all about yourself, and it's all about your need and your fix now. Yeah. So this is the thing. Is and I, I, I guess that's that's what sin does as well. It just brings you to a point where it numbs you yeah. to reality, and it just brings you to a place where it's it's all about you. You don't care about the people you love. You don't care about. Um, uh, the, the after effects, the consequences and all that. Mm. Um, if I think back, some of my friends that went through the same thing, they landed in prison, but they didn't think of it. We're, we're shoplifting and that because they didn't think about that. All you think about is getting that next fix. Yeah. For me, in doing this part, is I was fed up. I, I just couldn't handle life anymore. I, mm. I couldn't handle the withdrawals anymore. Mm. And I really, in the back of my mind, I was, I want to end this. Mm. So I went out fill up the car, went out to Hillbrow. Um, I, I sold everything and I, I got heaps of money for it and I just started buying drugs. It was, I bought from heroin, ecstasy, um, cocaine, and just heaps and heaps of drugs. And I remember um, parking next to the road and I just started taking ecstasy pills and just popping one after the other. I used LSD acid, paper acid, I snorted something, I don't know what it was, but um, and then driving in that state to a mate's house and then um, heaps of heroin. I think I had a gram of heroin or something and we just started spiking. Mm. And um, all I could remember halfway through, um, through spiking um, heroin, I just blacked out. Mm. I was just, that's all I could remember, just blackness. Um, two days later, I woke up and um, I overdosed. So... My, in my friend's house and that. You were, you're still in the same spot? Same spot yeah. that I was. My friends, wow. my friends was in the house and I, and I woke up and, and I asked them what, what's, what's going on and, that, and all I could remember is my one mate just joking around laughing and said, oh, dude, you OD'd. And, and that was it. And I was just like, I, wow. it, 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 was, it was hurting me but also I, I started realising that I've got a problem. Mm. So this is the point where I've sort of realized that, okay, I'm losing control. Mm. Like, 
back when I was just using weed and smoke, or smoking cigarettes and drinking, I felt like, you know, if I wanted to stop, I could, I just didn't want to. Mm. But yeah, I can't stop mm. because it's, it's controlling my life. Mm. I, I feel like I'm dying if I don't have it. Um, long story short, I um, ended up going to rehab and um, it wasn't, uh, I, I think I, it, it was five weeks that I went into rehab and then um, I signed myself out. So in rehab, you get a program that what they do is they um, give you medication. So it's sort of like legal heroin. Mm. Um, the ones that I used was Vicetone. So it's like a cough syrup mm -hmm. and they sort of wean you off it. So it mm. helps with the withdrawals. And then the last week you just completely um, go cold turkey, but it's not as bad. Yeah. So I, got, I went through the program and then I was clean from heroin. I didn't have the withdrawals and that. And Were your parents involved at this point? Yes, so um, my parents were involved and they, um, they actually were the ones who convinced me to go to rehab. Right. Yeah. And spiritually, at this particular point in time, did you have any thoughts from that kind of perspective or was it still just a, just a kind of a nothing zone? Yeah, it was. The, the thing is that I, I think what, what motivated me was um, that I literally died and um, I'm going to die if I don't. And, and that's all that was playing. Yeah. Nothing spiritual, there was nothing yet. Um, spiritual involved yeah. at all so you got for the first rehab yes i went to rehab i got clean yeah and then um I, I had to stay there for three months but um i signed myself up because i felt like i've got this yeah you know i've, I've cl yeah. clean i don't have the withdrawals and that yeah signed myself out <coughs> went to bible college uh, out of all, it, all the bible college. yeah <laughs> um, so spiritually you're kind of dead. Dead. But you choose to dead. go to Bible college. Yes. What's, what's the go there? So, so um, I reckon the go with that was, um, I felt like it was a safe environment. Yeah. Um, I felt that, um, look, Shekinah Care Center, the rehab that I went through is, is Christian based. My parents are, um, they were, they loved the Lord. And, and I think just all of that in the back of my head, I always thought, you know, that, that would be a safe environment for mm. me. But um, when I was in Bible college, it, was, it wasn't long after that that I actually fell back. Because okay. at that point, a lot of people would be saying, right, he's made, he's done, right? You know, if, we, if I was a parent and my kid was struggling with that stuff and I get them to Bible college, I'm like, yeah. job done. Yeah. But, it, but it just goes to show that the external stuff and the internal stuff can be very different oh. places, can't they? Yeah, I think... And so you started using again yeah. when you're in Bible college? Yeah. yeah. So I think that the, the, the difference there is when I was in Bible college and the reason why it was so easy for me to, to fall back is I was... I didn't really change much because when I went to Bible college, I, I sort of found myself where I was at the start before I started using used yeah. drugs because I felt like I've got this. Yeah. So I'm in control yeah. and I can handle this. Yeah. And I didn't get to the point where I've um, realized my sin and did yeah. true repentance and then accepted the Lord and, and the Lord. I, I didn't have that r real relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm. And that's the complete difference between mm. um, what I'm going to share in a, in a little bit and up to where I am now. Mm. So yes, it wasn't long before um, I actually um, walked in the streets and I just walked into one of my old mates mm. Well, in the back of my head, I said, I'm never going to use heroin again, and I didn't. I didn't touch heroin again, but um, I was introduced to a different drug, which is a terrible drug. It's um, crack cocaine um, rocks, whatever you want to call it. The problem with, with this is, um, this is a type of drug that you will smoke it till the death and you will, will not be satisfied. Mm. Because as you smoke it, you can smoke as much as you want. You can smoke a, a full, it's crystallized crystallized um, cocaine so if you smoke it you can smoke a whole full moon which is the size of a golf ball and you still want more mm. immediately mm. and that's the difference it's it's not that you go on a high and, and you sort of can stay with it mm. it's as soon as you smoke it you want more mm. so long story short that just went down really quick mm. um, uh, to a point where just I lost control again and um, and this time this time I made the decision that I want to go to rehab. Mm. So here I came to a point where I realized that if I'm going to go on like this, I'm going to kill myself. Mm. Um, I can't do this. I mm. can't control it. 
So I went to rehab and um, this time I put my mind um, in the space that I'm going to do this long term. Still, now here I am at rehab with nothing. I felt horrible. I felt useless. I felt like I lost all my respect uh, from my parents. Um, and here I am just um, down in the dumps, nowhere to go and depressed. Um, so into the program, um, there was uh, one night where everything changed. So we, um, we had dinner the one night and um, there was this um, care worker, his name is Jonathan um, Trollope. Um, so I knew he was my counsellor at the first time I was there mm. and then the second time I came in, he was just about to leave because he, he had a family and kids and that so they were pursuing something else. Mm. And I remember that one night after, after dinner, he came to me and he, um, he, had, he had this book and he placed this book in my hand, it was the Bible. And he said, put, because he said, he said, put, you need to read this put. word. Yeah, that's like mate. Okay. <laughs> and he said, you need to read this word. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know. I wasn't really interested in what he said. But then he started talking to me and he said, you need to know that Jesus loves you. He, um, he's willing to die for you. He was willing to die for you and he did. He died on the cross for you. He said he laid down his life for you. And... Um, one thing he said, he said, God uses mess-ups and screw-ups like us. He's a recovered drug addict as well. He says, um, doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter where you came and how many times you've fallen, how low you went, you are the type of person that God wants to use. Mm. And you need to read this book. If you read this book, you'll find people in this book with real stories, real-life stories, real events that happened that turned their backs on the Lord and walked away and just did their own thing, but then came back and, uh, well, through the, through the grace of God, mm. God brought them, God pursued them, mm. and God brought them back. Mm. God saved them. But mm. God allowed that season of time um, in their lives to make their own choices and their own mistakes to a point where they hit rock bottom and realized they don't have anything left but Him. Mm. So I went through the Bible, and there's heaps of stories that, that stood out. Um, some of it, uh, you look at the Israelites and you know how many times they just uh, just fell back over. You read, um, is it uh, Numbers, where you just read over and over and uh, the, the Israelites uh, did evil in the sight of the Lord again and again and again and again. Mm. But then God allowed them to go their way and um, to a point where they, they hit rock bottom and said, cried out to the Lord. And every time they cried out to the Lord, God was there and He answered them and He helped mm. them. He sent in judges, He sent out mm. uh, judges to, to deliver them out of, um, out of the hands of their enemies. Mm. And, and once, um, one, one thing that I remember is going through the book of Jonah and Jonah just uh, stood out for me because God called him and he literally, after God called him, did 180 degree and ran the opposite direction. Um, away from God. He tried to run away from God. He got to the boat uh, and he had to pay the fare. So that's the same with sin. If you, if you run away from you have to pay a, pay mm. a fare. For me, that was, uh, you know, I had to sacrifice a lot of things mm. because I'm running away from God. He went and he hid it in the bottom of the boat, fell asleep. Mm. So that's what sin does as well. It numbs you so mm. to everything because there was a storm outside and he mm. was sleeping. Mm. But not because he was at peace, but because he was trying to hide. And um, to the point where um, the, the sailors threw him over the boat and he was in the storm and he was just um, surrounded by these big waves and, and, and the winds. And, and you read his prayer in, in um, Jonah 2 where he just was, he was saying, I cried, I was in distress and I cried out to the Lord and he saved me. But while he was going down, the seaweed was wrapping around him and, you know, mm. it was just feeling like he's going deeper and deeper and deeper. Mm. And then obviously the whale came or fish, whatever, came and swallowed him up. And then by the grave, by God's grace, he was alive and he, gave, he got a second chance. Mm. And I could really, really relate to that story. Mm. But there was other stories like David who, um, you know, who committed adultery. You know, and he committed murder to try and cover it up. But then God still was gracious to mm. him. Yet, um, oh, the stories go on. Peter, who um, who denied Jesus, he walked with Jesus, he loved Jesus, mm. but he, he denied him mm. openly. And, um, and look at Paul's background as well. Yeah, 
and, and Jesus pursued Peter. He even went yeah. out um, and found Peter fishing, and he he asked Peter, you know, do you love me? Yeah. Three times, yeah. and then eventually, you know. Jesus forgave him, and, and he, he used him. God used him in such a power. I love that because, you know, Peter denied Jesus three times, and then Jesus almost gives him three opportunities to say, yeah. I love you. How you awesome know. is that? Yeah. Um, at this point, you know, you have basically made a decision. Was it a, was it a public decision, or was it a private thing? I think, um, first of all, it was private because... Um, the, the thing is, when I started reading the Word, I couldn't put it down. I just literally, wow. God gave me this hunger. I, yeah. I remember sitting up until 4 o'clock in the mornings just reading because these stories. And to this day, I love the Old Testament. I spoke to Benny the other day. He knows that if I teach, I love going back to the Old Testament just because I relate a lot to the stories of the Old Testament. Yeah. But um, yes, I made, I made a, a personal decision. First of all, I, I, I cried out. I said, Lord, I really need you. I can't yeah. go on like this. Yeah. And, um, and then I made it public because I, um, in the, the rehab, we have devotion times. And then in the mornings before, um, before breakfast, we have a time where we share. And then at night times as well, um, we reflect back on the day. Mm. And I remember it was one of the, the nighttime sessions where I reflected back on the day and, and I just shared what God's been doing in my life. And, mm. I, and I shared how God literally came into my life, I accepted Jesus in my life and he's mm. the Lord of my life. And you get to the point where you realize that, um, that where Paul talks about being a living sacrifice, mm. you know, to the Lord. You have to become that living sacrifice. It's, mm. not, it's not about me. So the way I look at it is, let's say there's a circle and that's your world. Mm. And um, the way I used to live my life was, that was me in the center and that was my world. So everything revolved around me mm. in the center. But what I had to do and what God allowed is to, to show me that while I'm in the center of the world, I am destroying myself. I'm killing myself. I mm. can't do it. So mm. I literally had to get to a point where I take myself out and, and allow God to be the center of my world. So everything started revolving around him. Mm. And, and that's when my life changed. Mm. It's when God became the center of my life. Mm. And everything I did, I realized that. And this is the, the cool thing about it. It's because when you, when you hit rock bottom, you, you, you realize that, you know, I've tried this in my own strength. I didn't get anywhere. Mm. I killed myself. Mm. So you get, the, you get, you receive the mercy and the grace and the loving kindness, patience of God. And you realize that I owe him everything. Mm. If it wasn't for, for, for Jesus, I would not be here today. Yeah. And so because that, that's the case. And I think that's why God uses the weak things of this world, because we cannot boast in our own strength. Mm. There's no way that I can say, look, look what, what I've done. You know, I've made it through drugs. Now I did and I killed myself when I was yeah. on drugs. It was Jesus that saved me from drugs. The interesting thing there is that you, yours is a very obvious story of you killing yourself. You're walking, basically heading towards destruction. Mm. Um, but it's true, isn't it, that every single person who doesn't know God, who isn't saved, is walking the same path. Just some for some it's more obvious oh definitely you know? and so i think so for, for people who have it all together um who are completely apathetic to the things of the lord who are walking towards destruction they're still walking towards the same destruction oh, yeah. at the end of the day aren't they i think it's it's easy for us as as humans to think that you know we we it's a natural thing to do we sort of classify sins we sort of put it in categories mm. we say oh well what what you've done you just used heroin you used um alcohol, whatever, drugs, and what you went to the extreme. Mm. And when I'm, you know, just making my, my work, or that's my, you know, that's my focus, and that's my idol, because that's not as bad as drugs, or, yeah. or whatever the sin might be. Yeah. But when you look at God, God is a holy God. Mm. And for him to be holy, really, he cannot mix with sin. So all sin is, uh, is, is the same for God. It doesn't matter how big, how small. Mm. Um, at the end of the day to make a long story short the wages of sin is death mm. and so it doesn't matter what we do what we pursue in life if it's not if it's not if it's not centered around God you know it will it will lead us to death mm. and that's what sin does yeah, yeah, yeah so absolutely. I definitely agree with that it doesn't matter if it's big or small but if, if if it's definitely sin the wages of sin is death yeah yeah 
I feel like there's probably a, a lot of... Um, I mean, I know I resonate with your story a lot because I'm one of those people who every time I hear the prodigal, the prodigal son story, no matter what format it's in, I, I, I well up because I think that's me, you know? Um, and, uh, and I think you would probably be the same. I'd imagine a lot of people here would feel the same way as well. But um, I guess we, we're running out of time. I just want to... I want to, um, I guess, focus on... The, the danger with testimonies is, is looking back and looking at all the bad stuff and not moving forward to what God's doing now. And I guess I want to focus, if we can, on maybe if you're happy to share um, a point since you've been saved, since you've been, um, since you've been redeemed and, and bought by God and entered his family, a, a time when things have been maybe tough uh, and maybe a lesson that you could share from that season um, and, and maybe even moving into what God's doing with you today. Um, and I guess just one thing before you do that is that when I, I was just thinking as you're sharing is that there's that, those verses in Corinthians, uh, first and second Corinthians, they both say, you know, God chooses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise, you know. You really see that God will use um, anyone if they're willing to be used. Mm. Um, and, you know, like the guy Jonathan, you know, we have a responsibility to be, to be, to be used, to be um, willing to just take that step and ask that question mm. Um, or to, to give that Bible or to, to you know, share that, that truth or whatever it is. But, yeah, if you're happy just to share a couple of yeah. things about what God's done with you since. Um, so thinking back, um, I think uh, a, big, a big challenge for me um, was when we moved to Australia and um, I think um, getting married um, to Erin, I think there was a lot of um, culture um, differences there that we faced but uh, one of the big things for me was I remember coming to Australia with no real experience of trade and no um, no qualifications at all. Because you'd done Bible college after that point of time as yes. well hadn't you? Yep. Yes. Okay. Yes. Sorry continue yes. just clarifying. Um, so um, no qualifications and now I've got now I've got a wife I'm starting a family and I have to provide so the first first part of Coming to Australia was really hard because um, Aaron was Aaron was the one that's working and I was looking for work and, I, and it was months that I struggled mm. because personally I felt like well it's my for me that's just how I brought it I need to provide for my family and not Aaron so I struggled with that a lot um, eventually we um, I, I got a, wor- a, a temporary work at construction and that and. Um, challenging because yeah, it's temporary, temporary so public holidays you don't get paid and that so but after that my father-in-law um, helped me get a job at hydro aluminium and um, this was one of the probably most challenging times that I faced after um, using drugs and that the old life I had because um, it was a good job it um, it was paying really well um, but the people that I work with was um, they were rough, and um, and I sort of just it was it was a difficult time because it was when Yanabella was born as well, and um, I was I was taking up shift work, so Erin was alone at home, and 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 so I sort of just got involved somehow. I'm not sure exactly, but I I got involved in things with the guys, you know, going out um, with them to um, to to work functions like clubs, or not clubs, pubs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I found myself, and even Erin picked it up, that she says, you're changing. You know, I don't like it because um, you, you say things and you do things that's, you know, I, I don't like it. And I just sort of waved it off and that. And to a point where I realized, yeah, if I go on like this, I'm going to end up where I ended up. Mm-hmm. Um, so with saying that, and it sounds crazy, but um, that big company, Hydro Aluminium, had to close down. Wow. And, and I see it to this day, I see it as the grace of God. act of God, yeah. yeah. Because I believe if, if it car- carried on like that, I would probably, it would have ended up worse than, than I used yeah. to be. Um, so we got made redundant. Yeah. Um, so then um, the, the big thing around that was um, now I've, I'm worried again. So where am I going to get work? And got a job at, at a smaller company, um, die cost and pressing, so much smaller, but there was a lot of the guys that went to the Bible study at Dave's house would know that I, I was struggling there with 
um, one of the workers there just really God used that lady to um, to to chip away at me with certain things because she was um, self-proclaimed supervisor as well. So um, I would do my work and she would always come and try and find fault with what I do. And so I just really struggled with that. Yeah. Um, to a point where we went to New Zealand and then came back. And when I came back that first day, my boss said, um, sorry, Jean, we have to let you go because the company's not doing well. And so it was hard for me because I was doing that work and I was running the whole part mm. of the department. I knew that, no, that's not true because mm. the stacks of orders are there. You can mm. see it. So they're doing really well. Mm. Long story short, got my redundant there and then um and then eventually i got the job at hydro aluminium where god's just really 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 blessed me um with a really good job good position and everything and every th time i think about it, it just blows my mind mm -hmm. and i know that it's just god but but through that whole time i think the the main lesson that god was teaching me was to really trust him to mm -hmm. and and ever since i i came off drugs and i started my walk with the lord it, it it's and to this day, it's really walking with the Lord and trusting Him on a daily basis. Mm. And um, that brings me to where I'm at at the moment. Is um, just recent, probably a few months ago when we were, we were going through James, um, I was sharing a sermon here, and um, it was worldliness on James 4. And um, God really challenged me, and He's still challenging me to this day, where I started off the sermon just looking at Paul, and um, it was in 2 Corinthians 5 where he sort of shared his motivations in, um, in life and why he does what he does. And what his biggest motivation was he does everything for God because mm. of his love for God. And the second one was because of his love for um, God's people. Yeah. And then he went on, I think it was verse 7 where he says, um, For everyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. So everyone mm. who is in Christ. So if you say that you're a Christian then you are a new creation. So not you, you become, God changed your life. Mm. You are a new creation. Mm. The old is gone and the new has come. Mm. And so God started working with me on the subject on motivations. Like what is your motivation in your everyday life? You know, when you wake up in the morning, what is your motivation for going to work? What is your motivation for, um, for every single thing you do? Mm. You know, to a point where it is, God brought me to a place where it's like, where he was saying, like, if it's not me, then your motivation is self-centered. Yeah, wow. Which means that you are making an idol of yourself. Wow. And where I'm at now is, and I think it's just, as human beings, we struggle with this because we get busy with life. Yeah. We get busy with work. We get busy with family. We get busy with um, all kinds of things mm. in life that we spend more time with life than we actually do with with god mm. that we go through days that we don't read the bible we go through days where we don't share the gospel we go through days where we don't even pray because we're busy yeah you know yeah and so this is where god is working with me at at the moment as well because i am being a supervisor they just changed me from shift one shift to another shift which means that working the four days on four days off i haven't been to church for a while i didn't have i haven't had the fellowship and all mm. that so i, I really struggle i got mm. really distracted just focusing on work and, mm. and and digging into that uh where god's really speaking to me again and i need to get back to the place where i just step back a little bit and yeah. just focus on him and just spend yeah. time with him wow so, um, yeah, yeah, that's where I'm at at the moment yeah. in my walk. And it's, it's really challenging. I, I guess that we all can relate to that because oh, totally. it's so easy to just get busy with, with yeah. life. I think what comes up for me then is, um, you know, is that, that part where Jesus in the letters to the churches, he said, you know, you've, you've, you've forsaken your first love. It's so easy to kind of to, to forget that, that joy and that amazing, um, that amazing knowledge of being saved. Mm -hmm. And, and it's that knowledge, you know, really that inspires us to, to share that message with others, others as well, isn't it? And, yeah. to, and to live that life for, for God in that way. And I can certainly relate. Um, I guess we see that it, becoming a Christian doesn't mean that all of a sudden things are smooth sailing, you know. Um, it, you didn't just become, you, you didn't use drugs anymore, but it's not like your challenges stopped. It's not like your, t not like t t temptations stopped. It's not like, um, it's not like things just became easy 
uh, all of a sudden you became, you know, wealthy and happy and healthy. No. You know, it's not how it works. We, I think, um, um, I think we continue to have these challenges. Yeah. yeah, I think it's a journey. I think um, yeah. our Christian walk is a journey. Yeah. It never ends. You never stop learning. I mean, to this day, you know, God is teaching me, you know, and I, I think it will, I know that it will c carry on until the day I die. Mm. Um, so our Christian walk is, is a journey. It's not something that happens overnight and then all of a sudden you're perfect. No, we sinners. We still sin. We still uh, turn our backs on God. It's like Paul wrote, no one's perfect. Everybody's yeah. sin. You yeah, know? Yeah. And it's only by the grace. But but you have a different relationship with sin. Yeah. So yeah. when I used to sin, it wouldn't affect me. But now when I sin, immediately yeah. it affects me in a way of it breaks me because it's affecting my relationship yeah. with God. Yeah. So it does something. So you've got that different relationship to sin. I think we should feel joy whenever we feel guilt from sin because oh. it means that we have a conscience there. It means that God's working with us. And if you don't feel guilt from sin, you've got to worry. You know. So when you feel guilty... Thank God for it, you know, because that's him he refining you, you know. I, I don't know about you guys, but I am I'm pretty grateful for Eugene sharing his story. Um, I feel like I've been challenged um, and I've learned a bit. Um, and uh, I just want to pray for his family and for Eugene and, and for us as well, that I guess we would, um, that we would kind of take these stories and, um, and let them work in us, okay, because it's that, it's that encouragement from one another. We declare that what God's done amongst ourselves, and that can be, you know, David did it with the Psalms. Paul and Stephen and Peter, they all did it in the New Testament. They declare what God had done for them, and it encourages a, another group of people. So let's pray and, um, and have a bit of fellowship after that, hey? Father, we just thank you so much for who you are, for your goodness to us, for your greatness, your kindness, um, the fact that you continue to pursue the fact that you don't give up, that like the, the father of the prodigal son, you don't just wait for us to get all the way, you come rushing into the field and, um, and even humiliate yourself to do that, God. Um, you know, that you sent your son, who being in the very nature God, didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Lord, I thank you for my brother Eugene and for his story. Thank you for your work in his life. Thank you for his... Um, his faithfulness. Thank you for his, um, yeah, for the grace that you've shown to him um, and the life that he now gets to live for you as a result. Thanks for Erin too and for um, just the blessing that she is to those who know her and uh, we thank you for her faithfulness to you, for those, um, those words of wisdom and, and gentleness that um, always come from her mouth. And Lord, we pray for the kids as well. Lord, would you just um, work in this family to continue to make them a blessing to those around them. And for each of us, Lord, make us faithful to you in, um, in all that we do. Challenge those motivations. Help us to, um, to not just get complacent about where we're at, but continue to challenge us day by day. Um, and just give us that joy that we know you promise. Bless us and go with us in Jesus' name. Amen.